You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on Overtime Media. Here, while we get the other Facebook page in here, waiting just a moment. Are we all good? I'm not a good singer. Sorry, everyone. Almost. There it is. Five check marks. All right. Welcome to Dove Valley Deep Divers, everyone. I am tonight for the host, anyways, Eric Trickle. And joining me is building the Broncos, Carl Dummler. Lance Sanderson actually for some weird reason decided to make plans on a friday night right before the season started so that's just a bad timing on his part but it's great to have you and carl how are you doing you know i'm doing great man and uh you know it's been a while since i've actually been on dove valley valley deep Mm -hmm. divers so kind of excited and of course it's it's a good night talking about the 53 man roster kind of seeing where the broncos are going to go with all this and uh so yeah i'm i'm happy to be here man and uh just excited the talk the Broncos right before game tomorrow and and just getting ready to head into the season, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Just a lot of things going extremely well. We have had some uh, issues with the pe- property owners behind us. We have some rotting trees from Spruce Beetle, and they're starting to display quite a bit right towards our apartment. So we're fighting with them through our property manager to get them to cut down these trees. So that's the only real concern. I mean, my daughter, she won't even go near the window right now. She's totally afraid because she heard us talking, my wife and I talking about the trees possibly falling. <laughs> but anyways, tonight, as Carl alluded to, we're going to talk about the 53-man roster. Quarterback's been decided, but there's still, by my count anyways, and I know Vic Fangio said quite a bit more either yesterday or today about there still being like eight or nine, six to ten, however many it was, roster spots open. I only have it down to like four or five roster spots really open. And Carl and I yesterday were kind of going through and and this morning building through it and kind of had a similar agreement. So we're going to break that down. But before we get there, going to say hello to everyone in the chat. And thank you all for joining us. We've got Dylan Von Arks in there, of course. Say it with sup, Broncos country. Well, sup to everyone, man. Like, it's Friday night. Regular season's right around the corner. Hopefully everybody's super excited. Whether you're unhappy with the quarterback decision or not, hopefully it's all Broncos from this point on. Go Broncos, I mean, that's we all just want them to win. Right, exactly. You know, it, it's, hey, the season's going to come along. This is a great team, great roster. You know, it's great when you're trying to figure out which players you're hoping other teams don't pick up. Like that, that went into our discussion of figuring this out before the show. And uh, th- that's nice to see because it used to be kind of going, oh, man, we've got to get this guy on the roster. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this season. Yeah, and Jay Kozak came in and mentioned some of these bubble players better show something on special teams. Vic said some of the decisions will be based on special team means unit. Definitely, for sure, and we definitely factor that in. But before we dive into this, we're going to jump into the matters of business real quick. Make sure you guys are all following at Dove Valley Deep Divers on Twitter. It's at DVD, pod, DVD underscore pod. Make sure you guys are following us at well. Obviously, Carl Dummler at Carl Dummler MHH and myself at Eric Trickle. That is a CK and then an EL there at the end. And then follow the mother account of all of us. The, the what is it? The 
the uh oh man, I can't think of the term for it. The the big ship for the aliens, you know, the spawn ship, the mothership. The mothership. There we yeah. go. Uh Mile High Huddle. Um that's where you guys can get access to all of our written content, all the videos that we do on YouTube, everything that we everything that we put out as a as a group, you get access to there from myself, Carl, Chad, Zach, Nick, Lance, everybody that puts content out. Make sure you guys take a moment to go to huddleuppod.com to go check out the merch store. There's a bunch of awesome stuff on there. I don't have anything Dove Valley Deep Beverage near me at the moment, but uh, we've got Building the Broncos hat on from Carl. There's some shirts on there. There's what? There's um, all sorts of stuff. There's coffee mugs. There's your neck gaiters, all sorts of stuff that you can go get. That's Mile High Huddle merchandise. On top of that, make sure you guys go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle and become a supporter. This gives you guys access to all the Facebook exclusive shows. And we're also having a contest for this. We, we're trying to get to 250, get 250 more subscribers. Go there, check it out. You guys will be entered to win a Mile High Huddle hoodie. It's where at 114 out of 250 so hopefully by the end of the night we can get at least over 50 percent there and we're also having a competition for a von miller jersey we're trying to reach five thousand five hundred thousand stars through facebook we're 75 percent of the way the way there so we're slowly closing up on that so make sure you guys go in subscribe and then start sending in stars if you guys want to enter through this i mean we've got Stuart mcpeak in here he's sitting there at the top randy jones really jumped up right behind him andre lampy Right as number three, Travis Weber's there. Howie freaking day, Michael Ronquillo, Simon. Don't I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I really don't want to do a Weebe? terrible job butchering it. We bay, um, Travis Tarbox, Gary Leeds Palmer, and Andrew Baker, and so many more. You guys are awesome. We appreciate all of your guys' support and everything. And you guys are definitely going to are obviously entered to win this Von Miller jersey. And then, as well as go check out facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod as well which is the uh, huddle up pod and all the i believe all the other podcast stuff and then if you guys can't financially support us through the merch store you guys can do three easy simple steps subscribing to the shows on itunes spotify uh all these other things that honestly i'm not familiar with so i just know i just know i'm subscribed on spotify so you guys can go do all these different ones and uh, subscribe there make sure you guys are liking the content that's very easy it's just a quick little click on your computer to just click the thumbs up on facebook on youtube wherever you happen to be watching the show and then share it if you guys like what we have to say or even don't and you just want to be nice and spread the word just share it out spread it out i mean word of mouth is a wonderful thing i mean i don't know how many times i've run into people here that have talked about hey i I recognize you just somebody pointed me in towards what you do and so make sure you guys are doing that at the very least anyways everyone in the chat thank you guys we're going to be getting down to the dirty the nit and gritty of this thing of this 53-man roster and first off is the quarterback position so yeah it's uh it's a great position that unfortunately obviously this this great quarterback battle happened here for the broncos and and the name to starter and teddy bridgewater so there's there's one something that i think the broncos are going to do this year is only keep two quarterbacks they're going to try to get brett ripping onto the the practice squad and it just – I don't think any team's going to come swooping in and say, oh, we have to get Brett Rippon. So they can have him on the practice squad, bring him up if they need him. But it is looking like it's going to be two guys, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke for the Broncos. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in agreement there. I don't 
and I feel bad for Brett Rippon because he's he's the one go constantly going unmentioned. He, he was never really in it to be a starter. He went in and really got thrown to the wolves against the New York Jets a little bit and played fairly well for the most part. Obviously, the interceptions were pretty bad there. But, I mean, he just never really got a chance. And now, to me, I don't think he makes it simply because of numbers game. I, I don't see a way you can keep a third quarterback on the roster with depth and it, and even now injuries that ha- are happening at other positions. So it's this numbers game here that you just can't really uh, keep Brett ripping around. So it's unfortunate for him, but I do think, and, I, and Carl's in agreement here, that we do think he actually makes a practice squad. And real quick, I'm going to pull this up because we actually have this all typed out in a chat. Hopefully you guys can see it pretty clearly. I tried to make sure the best I can before we went live here trying to match it up with size and everything. But as you can see there in the kind of in the middle on, in the E column is Teddy Bridgewater is the starter, then Drew Locke, and then Brett Reppin behind him. And then moving on to the running backs and fullbacks. With Mike Boone being hurt, I, and when talking to Carl about this, was very curious as to what happens with him because he can still miss a week or two after the season starts. And then additionally, a couple more games potentially after that. Four to six weeks is a not very clear time frame. So we're not sure how much longer he's going to miss. So with injured reserve, with the rules of unlimited callbacks, we decided to put him on the short-term IR, which means that he has to make the 53-man roster initially before he can be placed there so he can get called back. And with him being gone, that opens the door for for Royce Freeman to make this roster. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams obviously sitting there right behind as the main two guys. Unfortunately for um, Stevie Scott, just came in too late. I don't know if it'll be enough to push for a practice squad spot. And then Demoria Crockett. I think that he's, because of the concern with Royce Freeman, that they will keep at least a running back around on the practice squad. I have Crockett here right now, but I definitely think that this is a possibility that they can even go elsewhere with somebody with a running back another team. What do you think, Carl? Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Royce Freeman really played himself onto this roster here during this preseason. He has looked the best he's ever looked really for the Denver Broncos. Uh, he's actually running uphill quick. That, that was his problem last year is he tried to flatten everything out and tried to win to the corner. And it just was very unfortunate um, that he just, he just doesn't have that ability. He did it in college. All these guys have it in college, but to, to actually do it in the NFL, you just got to have elite speed and that's not what he's got. So he's got to be able to do it between the tackles. He's shown so well at that. And of course his receiving ability, he might be the best receiving back the Broncos have. And uh, I mean, and, and they've got three good guys doing that, but Royce Freeman, he's actually got pretty natural hands. And I think he can really add to the Broncos if they need him on that third down kind of play to be that guy that really secures those short passes. Yeah. And I can't remember, I think it was against the Minnesota Vikings that he had one play where he was trying to, where I really felt was concerned that I thought he was going to try to keep it outside. And he made a really nice cutback inside for a really sizable gain. And that was great to see from Moise Freeman. I mean, he did a lot of east to west and not so much north to south, which is what he needs to do. And then at fullback, I mean, the simple reason here is we have Andrew Beck on the practice squad. There was a debate about keeping him on the roster. Simply just don't think he's played well enough to actually make it. But with still being able to call up players off the practice squad, that that's his way onto it. And then, unfortunately, Adam Prentice it came to a point where there just wasn't a spot for him on the practice squad. And I would actually rather see them keep Prentice over Beck because of what we saw on the field. But I'm just not sure the Broncos actually 
go that way at the position. Yeah, I, I'm with you. There's just so many limitations on keeping a true fullback, and especially in a Shermer offense. If I know, I, I probably shouldn't say this name because it's going to cause people to go crazy, but Scangarello offense, I can understand it. You keep a true fullback in that sense uh, because they're going to use him on a, a lot more snaps and, of course, can help on special teams, all of that. But right now, the Broncos just maybe five, maybe eight percent of the snaps they'd actually need a fullback and you can't keep a guy for a full-time roster spot for that kind of numbers. And I don't think he's really shown well as a special teams guy either. So uh, I can understand keeping him off and even keeping him off the practice squad. Cause there's just no place for him. And uh, I'm with you, Beck. He's been below average here in this preseason. There's been a lot of those goal line runs that he is getting knocked back. He's supposed to be that lead blocker and he's not getting any kind of push to actually set up the run. And, and so that does worry me about our goal line running ability, but it just, unfortunately, that's kind of where it's at right now. Yeah, and real quick before we continue on, just a quick stars update. We got one from Andrew Baker, who he had a question in here. He said, showing some love for Dove Valley Deep Divers. Who makes the final wide receiver? We know the top four or five, but most teams carry six. So what we looking like? Hashtag MHH for life. Well, Andrew, just give us a moment, and we'll get right to that. Wide receiver, it's the next position. And just a quick thing is, as much as neither either one of us didn't want to keep seven, we ended up with seven receivers on this roster. I mean, yep. that just speaks to the depth the Broncos have at the position. And thanks to everyone else who came in and starred as well um, during that brief uh, thing. We have Travis Weber in here, who's definitely on it. He says, part of me wishes Skaggs was kept over Shermer. Um, without getting into it too much, I don't actually agree. I'm, I'm kind of glad that they got rid of Rick Scangarello. Um, and then part of the issue with that is, I, I mean, if Scangarello was actually qualified to be an offensive coordinator, he wouldn't have gone after he got fired. He wouldn't have fallen back to being just an assistant offensive quarterback coach. He's now moved back up. He's now a quarterback coach. But it, he just wasn't quite ready yet. And his play calls and some of his plays designs really made that clear. Yeah. He, he was good for the, the scripted plays, the 15 to 20 plays. Honestly, he was one of the better ones in the league at doing that. The Broncos got some early leads with him. But once you actually asked him to make adjustments to what the defense was doing, he couldn't do it. And we saw quite a few times in that night, 2019 season that Fangio had to step in and do his job. Like pretty much had to say, no, you're not going to do what you want to do. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep pushing. You know, you can't go ultra conservative. And, you know, yeah, Skaggs was good for Drew Locke in the sense he made his offense simple, gave him half field reads, but he was also going to limit the, the growth of Drew Locke. That was what the Broncos wanted to do is they wanted to say, you have to learn to function in a true NFL offense if we are going to maximize and, and become a great offense. That's why they made the change. Yep. And on that note, too, with uh, Scangarello is one issue that I had when he was hired was you're bringing in a rookie head coach that's a defensive-minded guy. You really shouldn't have brought in a a rookie play caller. I mean, come, especially coming from San Francisco where Kyle Shanahan has so much control over the offense. Um, somebody in the chat came up and said that it was kind of a, a um, what's the right word here, kind of a uh, makeup gift kind of thing 
to for missing out on Kyle Shanahan, which to me kind of seemed like it was. Now, moving back to this roster, you mentioned one thing about the fullbacks I want to touch on real quick before I let you take over on the re- on the receivers is with how little that the Pat Shermer and the Broncos offense use a fullback. Combined, they had a fullback on the field for like not even 10% of plays last year, and you can't full-time give that position give somebody a roster spot unless they are absolutely killing it on special teams. And unfortunately, Adam Prentice hasn't showed that this season so far. Now go ahead and take it away for the roster for the wide receiver position. All right. So of course we got ourselves uh, a Mr. Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick is another one that we have making it of course behind him. Uh, we'll see on the, the trade waiver if, if anything kind of goes down in that direction. But right now he's of course going to be making that, that spot at the Z receiver spot. We have Jerry Judy, Trinity Benson, and we do have Tyree Cleveland making the roster. And we'll, we'll explain that here in just a second of why we decided to go ahead and keep him on the roster. And then of course, KJ Hamler, they're in the slot position. No way he's not making this roster. And, and then we did keep also Deontay Spencer as a returner. So a couple things that happened to, to make these decisions for us. When Vic Fangio was talking the other day, he did say special teams is going to be a huge part in these last roster spots. Well, who are your special teams stars right now on this team? Deontay Spencer is a returner. I know he has his issues of sometimes returning a a punt inside the five-yard line and making some stupid decisions that way, but he also had some really big returns as well. He, He can be special at different times. And then Tyree Cleveland, one of the best gunners on the team. Yes, he has not been a great receiver this offseason. Had a lot of drops there in training camp, just has been making a lot of mistakes. But the Broncos are not great in in stopping the punts or, or the kickoffs. Tyree Cleveland, I think they keep him just big part for, for helping their own special teams. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, seriously, we had it down to five wide receivers with Tyree Cleveland and Deontay Spencer off. And after talking about it and Vic Fangio saying what is what he did about special teams being such a big deal, we just couldn't leave either of them off. Tyree Cleveland has issues dropping the ball. Hopefully he gets them fixed. But he does such a good job as a gunner that really goes underappreciated. And he's shown that this year. And it was a key thing for him last year as to why he made the roster as a rookie. And then Deontay Spencer, despite his inconsistencies and being able to catch on on offense, he still is very not super boomer bust as a returner. It's just, it's, there's still a decent variance there with this play that you just want to continue to work on. The Broncos made it clear that they are looking for other people to be a returner. Trinity Benson. I don't think he's shown enough to really get it. I think the key for that was the fact that he got some couple shots in the Minnesota game. And that was basically it. He wasn't used there much against the Seattle Seahawks. KJ Hamler. They were looking at him to return punts and he was having issues cleanly fielding punts. So I think that is enough to keep Deontay Spencer there, maybe even just as a punt returner and an emergency or backup kick returner or in certain situations as a kick returner because he has such an ability to go make some big plays. Now, there's a couple comments here that I want to get to before we move on. And again, say hello to everybody in the chat. We have Dave Glassman coming on Facebook saying, good evening, hashtag Broncos country. Good evening to you as well. Thank you all for joining us. We've got Malcolm Brown, who always gets a shout out from me, my fellow Alaskan, this one in Homer. Man, great to see you in here. Hope you had a great time with your grandkids. I know you were down there at least two weeks ago. I don't remember seeing you in the chat last week, but hope you're doing a good job or doing well and everything and had a lot of fun on your trip. 
Michael Ronquillo came in and says, good evening, Carl and Eric. Good evening, Greg Smith and Broncos country. Good. Good evening to everyone. He also says, click those thumbs up, Broncos country, for sure. That's the easiest way that you guys could support the show. Um, let's see. There was a couple more comments I wanted to get to. Uh, Klee came in and made a comment about great rosters t- typically achieve greatness. And while this is true, at the same time, it, it's rough because – a couple years ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars had a great roster and they made a decent playoff run, but it really falls down to the quarterback. You can have a great roster around the quarterback, but you only go as far as the quarterback can take you. And that's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. And I mean, there's a reason why he was available. I think he played better than many realize in Tam- in Carolina, but I mean, he's still not a championship caliber uh, quarterback and it's going to be a lot of the defense not necessarily carrying him, but him just kind of gently guiding and nudging them when he can and uh, helping them try to achieve this greatness. Because, yeah, this roster is extremely talented and they have the potential to be great. Yeah. Quarterback wins is not a real stat, but quarterbacks also have the most influence on whether a team can win or lose. And so, I mean, it's still, it's not, like I said, it's not completely a stat, but it still matters. And, uh, you can have the greatest roster in the world, but if you have the 30th ranked quarterback, you might be a losing team for the season and, and, you know, kind of vice versa. If you have a terrible roster and a great quarterback, you could have a a losing season, just like we saw with, uh, with Watson down in Houston this last year. And so it it can be kind of vice versa on both those, but if you have a great quarterback, it just gives you such a leg up in every single game. And it just raises the level of every player on your roster. It just it really does. It makes such a huge difference. And so the Broncos are going to go as far as Teddy Bridgewater. If he gets hurt, maybe Drew Locke. Or if he plays bad, you know, of course, Drew Locke. You know, that, that's as far as they're going to go. And it's just kind of the, the unfortunate truth. But this is still a great roster that can really help lift the, the play of the quarterbacks, where they can take a five-yard play. You know, we're just talking about wide receivers. Take a five-yard play and turn it into a 40-yard play. I just the, This last game, the deep dig in – by Judy on that fourth and five play. That was a 15 yard pass that turned into a 40 yard play. That's what this kind of roster can do for you. Yep. And black Knight came in just a couple more questions before we get back to this depth chart and said, I asked the guys yesterday, but do you think the coaches sabotaged Locke, or do you think Locke still has some issues reading the defense? And we actually talked about this a lot in our private chat and everything, but I think the biggest factor as to why Teddy won this job whether the coaches come out and say it or not, based on conversations I've had, it seems to be leaning this way, is Teddy Bridgewater, and this was very obvious against the Seattle Seahawks. Teddy Bridgewater called out his protections. Drew Locke doesn't. I mean, it's something that he's consistently had issues with. He never really did it in college. He never really did it as a rookie. He never did it really last year. He leaves that up to the offensive line. Well, that's typically your center, and a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry, who still seems to have issues with that, being able to have a quarterback to take that pressure off of him and just allowing your center to play is a huge deal. I don't think they sabotaged Locke by any means. I think that it was just in one, while Locke showed plenty of progress in other positions at other areas, it was just this one position that just was enough of a concern for them to lean Teddy Bridgewater over him. Right. There are times that you see Locke a little bit guessing of what the defense is trying to throw at him. It's why the, the robber one defensive look got him, you know, because it looked like a cover two post snap. All of a sudden that safety comes down. He loves the middle of the field. 
those turned into a lot of turnovers last year. Sounds like he's still having some of those issues here in training camp as well. And, you know, as a coach, you just kind of like to trust that a guy's going to get you in the right play. You know, how much that can help with the run game of getting you in the right play, the right blocking scheme. It, it just, I understand that it, it makes a, a difference on all of that. So um, you just got to gotta factor some of that in. The veteran does kind of have a little bit of an advantage there. And uh, I, I just, you know, Locke's career is not over. He's still got plenty of time. He's still a young guy. We've got a quarterback that's playing that he's like 43, 44 in Mr. Tom Brady. And we got a 24-year-old in Drew Locke. So he's he's got time to go win. It might not be with the Broncos, but maybe, you know, he spends these next eight weeks learning. And then Teddy Bridgewater maybe gets hurt or something like that. And he comes in and dominates. But there, there's a lot of ways that Locke can really still become the man here in the NFL. And no better player to learn from than I think Teddy Bridgewater. I definitely agree with that. And Shane Daniels came in with a $2 donation. Thank you, Shane. We appreciate that. It says, like the depth chart. Can't disagree with any spots. Hey, finally, I get somebody to not disagree with me. That's nice. That's a nice change of pace. A um, couple other. We've got uh, Andrew coming in. Seemed like Shelby played a lot last week. That a bad sign for him. Thanks for all the good content. Um, no, he only he didn't play that many reps. He played through, I think, like two and a half series, which is similar to what um, a couple of the other uh, – starters on defense played as well um but i'm not entirely positive on that i have to double check i fortunately don't commit snap counts to memory keith brugman came in and said reisner for fullback now this is funny because obviously he's starting at right at left guard and you kind of don't want to but i would be perfectly okay in a goal line situation throwing in moody back there as a fullback i would love to see it i I, i'm okay with it you know (laughs) I always kind of wonder when they get back to those meetings, you know, Dalton Reisner was it last year through Philip Lindsay into the end zone, like just grabbed him and tossed him. And of course this play, like ripping the ball out of your running backs hands, which is huge risk in preseason. I don't really care too much, but I'm just wondering when they got back to those meetings, does Munchak look at him and say, dude, do not do that in the regular season. Like, I, I just kind of wonder what their conversation is. That's it's worked out each time for Dalton Reisner when he's done these things. But there's going to be a time where his antics might get a little too crazy, and the coach is going to be like, "Come on, Dalton, <laughs> calm down, buddy." I but uh, but yeah, playing him at fullback, I think you'd have fun with it. I, I think yeah. that'd be hilarious to see. Even getting Moody back there, man, can you imagine him just going full speed at somebody? That that'd be kind of fun. So that, I think they got a few options if they want to get a little creative, and I think you've seen Shermer be a lot more creative this preseason even than he was last year. Now, some of that's and, coaches knowing a little bit more and for just the players knowing more. You can be a lot more creative. And then Andrew Baker um, came in and says, Hadley, he used to be a quarterback whisperer talking about Pat Shermer. But these old geezer coaches need to be competing in bingo somewhere. LOJK, we should all – we will and should enjoy this season. I definitely agree. And I've kind of gotten a reputation as a Pat Shermer defender and lover or whatever you want to say because I don't think all the issues on offense last year – should be right should be placed at his feet like many want to do. He definitely had his issues last year, as did so yeah. many other things. But I wasn't super high on him coming to Denver. I like the fact that he chose Denver because he wanted to work with Drew Locke. And I thought that his offense could really work with Drew Locke if Drew Locke was able to take these steps. But he's very stubborn in his ways, as most older coaches are, and he really doesn't like to adjust much from what he does. 
And we saw that that was a big issue he had last year. I mean, he wasn't one to really use motion a lot. And we saw that last year. This preseason, it seems to be that finally some improvement there, which is great because there's actually a direct correlation between the number of pre-snap percentage of pre-snap motion and success. So hopefully that helps out. But we'll see because pre-snap motion helps out so much with their quarterback. Gary Leeds Palmer coming in, not dropping anything to say, but just dropping some stars. So thank you, Gary Leeds Palmer, for coming out and uh, joining it. Greg Smith said, thank you, Eric, for pointing out Bridgewater calling out protections. I'll pay more attention to that tomorrow. Definitely. I mean, that was one of my that was one of my biggest issues with Locke that um, he just uh, just always struggled with was calling out those pre-snap. Uh, protections and everything, and it really hurt the Broncos' offensive line, especially the interior last year with Lloyd Cushenberry. But we got to move on. We're already halfway through this, and we still have so many positions more to go through. And it is time for well, quickly special teams. There's really nobody here for uh, competition. It's Brandon McManus. It's Sam Martin. It's Jacob Bob and Moyer. And as a returner, I still think that maybe Trinity Benson could go in it. But as we mentioned before, it's Deontay Spencer. So with tight ends, Carl, go ahead and kick us off. All right. So, of course, we got Mr. Noah Fant. Hopefully his leg injury is nothing too serious. They keep saying he's going to be ready week one. I do worry just about Noah Fant with a lot of this because he keeps having these little injuries pop up. Um, but we'll see moving forward. And then, of course, Albert Okawebanam sitting there at the backup spot. Hopefully he's improved as a, a blocker this year you know that was kind of his big thing last year that he just struggled a little bit with but i think i've seen some improvements even here in the preseason a little bit and training camp from what i understand uh, and then eric sobert is the other guy that is just i think he's been a little bit of one of the bigger surprises of camp we all kind of wondered who's going to be that third tight end to to emerge for this roster and eric sobert has been that guy he's been consistent uh, he's been a, a great receiving weapon we saw that great catch uh, from from Teddy Bridgewater on that corner route, just a uh, just great play all around. Probably one of the best ones of this past game, and so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he can bring to this roster, and I think he's going to get actually quite a bit of playing time this year. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think that the debate that we had was Noah Fant's leg injury. I'm not entirely sure I buy that they don't they're not a it's not a severe. I hope it isn't with Noah Fant. But that's definitely a concern. Albert Okwebenam, he's had a couple setbacks, which the coaching staff has talked about. So maybe they keep a fourth one here. This would be a position where Andrew Beck could possibly make it. But again, it was just a numbers game. And I think Eric Sauber, he's played extremely well in practice. He came in right away and was impressive. He's impressed in both preseason games as a blocker and as a receiver that I was comfortable keeping three. This is definitely one position, though, that I'll be keeping an eye on when the Broncos actually announce their roster. Now, a quick update of stars here. We've got one second. Got to bring it up. We've got Andrew Lamp coming in, Lampy coming in big time, Andrew Baker, Gary Leeds Palmer, Dave Glassman, and Michael Ronquillo. Thank you all for all of your stars. Those are just awesome to see, awesome support. Thank you so much. We appreciate you guys. Keep those stars coming in and help better your chances and enter to win if you haven't started already or donated stars to come in and potentially win a Von Miller jersey. Uh, Mohammed is in the house, the king of the super sticker, coming in with a $3 donation. Thank you, Mohammed. Hope everything is going great with you. Um, I believe in West Virginia, I think, is where <laughs> you're at and everything. And uh, there's a couple players, speaking of West Virginia, there's a couple players on that roster this year that 
are pretty enticing for uh, the draft. Um, one more comment before we go on here. Mark Anthony just got to throw this out there about my hair. He says, got to get you a good fade in lineup if I'm ever in Cali. Uh, not hating, just being dumb. Hey, man, I cut my hair twice a year. Like, it, it's it's an Alaskan thing, I guess. I got, I'll got cut it just before winter so it's growing out through winter and that keeps keeping me warm. And then I cut it just before summer. So No, it, it's not an Alaska thing. I, uh, I get a haircut every six months as well. My, my lady, every time, she's like, you know, you should be coming in like every two months to get a haircut. And she's like, but I'll schedule for six months. <laughs> That's great. I remember one time when I was younger, I didn't use, I only used to cut my hair once a year when I was really young and my hair didn't actually grow like it is now. And this dude gave me $500 for him to shave my head. My mom was completely mad because I took him up on it and she didn't know. And I was like in fifth grade and he shaved my head. She was so mad. And it was just before school picture day too. Yeah. Uh, well, with some, Go ahead. With some stars here. Didn't have anything to say. Just decided to throw in some stars. Thank you, Randy. We appreciate that. And you have found yourself, gotten yourself entered to an Abe Von Miller jersey. That's perfect. Yeah. Get those stars in because uh, that's how we can get Eric's ears lowered. Everyone might get actually go out there to California and get himself a haircut. Get that, that fade, man. I'd love to see you with a fade. I just, I, I can't picture it. So I want to see it, <laughs> man. It, my hair is weird before we move on is this is about as long as it'll get. It won't get much longer than this, which is why I've just grown accustomed to twice a year, every six months. Anyways, moving on, getting to the offensive line. Obviously, at offensive tackle, there's not a whole lot of things to talk about. I mean, we've, we're pretty much set at offensive tackle. We know Garrett Bowles is going to be the starter at one side. We know Bobby Massey is going to be the starter at the other. Calvin Anderson, he's the backup swing tackle. The only debate we had was about that fourth spot because based on play, it should be Quinn Bailey. Quinn Bailey has dramatically outperformed Cameron Fleming, but Cameron Fleming has a million dollar guaranteed to him that if he gets cut, he still gets paid. So he's a little bit more expensive and you don't want to lose that money for him to go play elsewhere possibly. And he's veteran experience. And at this point, I think that's where the value will be is getting that vet presence, even though he's just not, just not good. So yeah, just a, it's, it, it, there. Yeah. It, money talks in the NFL. It, it yeah. really does. There's very few times where you see, the cheaper guy starting over the more expensive guy. Every once in a while it happens where a guy just so badly outperforms the other guy. I think of Russell Wilson uh, getting his start as a rookie. And, uh, you know, they'd paid this veteran a ton of money and boom, all of a sudden Russell Wilson's a starter because, well, he became a star right off the bat. So uh, every once in a while it does happen, but that's why we keep Cameron Fleming. Quinn Bailey going to practice squad. I don't think anybody's going to pick him up. So, you know, at least you still got the guy. You can let him develop for a year and then kind of see if he can maybe become that swing tackle or even more next year. Yeah, and then Drew Himmelman. There's been some, I guess, not necessarily quiet praise, but not exactly loud praise for what he's done in training camp and preseason so far. His few reps in preseason um, games have been solid, and he's been looking good at practice. I mean, he's just a guy, very tall. He's like six foot eight, six foot nine. He's got decent length. He can move very well for his size, and it's just a guy that I'm super excited to see what he can do with Mike Munchak coaching him up. Now, Carl, go ahead and take it away for the interior offensive line here. All right. Well, we got the three starters and Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, and Graham Glasgow. I don't think that's going to change. I know a few people there for a while after that first game were going, uh, Moody should get the start. You know, he had some nice blocks, but I, I think it's it's become a lot more obvious, especially after the Seattle game. He's still got some work to do. The guy has 
potential out the wazoo. He, he really does. He's got more strength than probably 95% of the offensive linemen out there, but he's just got to clean up some technical things. Watching him on polls, he, he whiffed a lot. He just, he's got to learn to break down. He's got to learn to not always try to look for the huge hit, the, the, you know, highlight hit, the pancake, whatever you want to call it. He's just got to learn. There's some times where it's just better to just get in good position, win the hand technique and, and just win the rep that way. And then of course, Quinn Miners making the team, you know, use the third round pick. He's shown a little bit of promise too. He's strong, but still plenty of work to do. I, <laughs> that's the one position, the center position. If, Lloyd Cushenberry goes down with injury. I don't know what they're going to do. I think that what you do if Lloyd Cushenberry gets hurt is you got to slide Graham Glasgow over and insert Moody. Yep. Like that, that's that just, what I would do. That seems to be the way where you take the least hit in overall ability because I like Quinn Miners. I like his potential, but he is clearly not ready yet. Yep. And Austin Schlotman, he's good enough to make it as depth, but he, he shouldn't be starting and he should be doing everything you can to keep him from starting. Yep. So Moody, despite his issues, I mean, the biggest thing is you highlighted his polling ability. There's one thing I want to highlight, and it's one thing that he lost with consistently last year in the two games he played. And it's a very simple move, and he just has no idea to ha how to handle it. It's a quick swipe and a rip, or a swim, I mean. he swipe. They swipe his hands off of him, and he just stops. His feet stop moving. He doesn't know how to react as the defender just blows by, just swims over his shoulder and goes by. Like, uh, the Seattle defenders, they got by him like two or three times. One of them was for that second sack on Drew Locke. And then there was a couple times where they got Drew Locke off his spot by doing the same thing. And last year against the Carolina Panthers, Derek Brown, granted Derek Brown's insanely talented, is was one of the best defensive linemen as a, to come out of the NFL draft in 2020. He just made it clear that there was this huge gap by gap between them by his swipe and and swim move to get by him he did it twice and one of them was nearly the end of the was at the end of the game that nearly cost them for the game by almost getting a sack andrew Locke in the end zone for a safety and getting the ball back fortunately Locke managed to get the ball away in time so it, there's issues here but with moody starting him so it's not ideal suffering an injury but i mean honestly it's never ideal for somebody to get hurt yeah now, I think this depth, depth on the interior, I know a lot of people have been talking about it. I think that's more for next year. You know, the, these two guys in Miners and Moody, they both have huge potential to be quality starters in the NFL, maybe some of the best run blockers in the NFL moving forward. But like I said, they just need another year. You get them with Munchak, I have no doubt that they're going to really turn into something good. And uh, so I'm excited to see them just hopefully not this year. <laughs> That's the big thing. <laughs> and uh, so, like I said, then we got Austin Schlopman making the roster as well as another interior guy, kind of that veteran that brings a little bit. He doesn't have the highest ceiling by any means, but he's, he's consistent. You kind of know what you're getting every single game from him. And uh, I, I did want to get to this comment before we continue on the roster. Uh, U.S. Dave coming in saying two things in regard to starting starters in a preseason because uh, it sounds like the starters are going to play in this next game. You can slip in the bathtub, live your life, poo happens, can't live your life in bubble wrap. We got starters that want to get a taste. I I'd agree to disagree on this one a little bit. You know, there there's a difference between, um, yes, you could get hurt in the bathtub, but let's say you take 15 baths in a day. Like th there's more risk that comes with each time that you go out there and, and take that bath. And, uh, and so for these guys to go and, 
most of them don't need these reps. You know, a lot of the starters have played in these last two preseason games. They've got the hits. They've got the the juice ready to go. I can understand a little bit with Cortland Sutton, just getting him hit once just to kind of get him used to that again. Um, but Von Miller, I don't think he needs any reps. He's played enough games to be ready for the NFL. Uh, so I don't quite agree with this choice to go out there and play these starters. The Broncos have come into this point, one of the healthiest teams in the NFL, knock on wood. I hope they leave tomorrow in that same boat. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here saying, what are you doing, Vic Fangio? So the bathtub thing absolutely cracks me up because wasn't it Jamar, Jamal Charles a couple years before he was done in Kansas City who uh, slipped stepping out of the shower and tore his ACL? There's been a couple players that have gotten hurt uh-huh. getting in and out of bathtubs. So, I mean, it shouldn't make me laugh, but just choosing that, I- I'm kind of curious if that was intentional using the bathtub reference because of these or just purely coincidental. But I mean, I agree and disagree with the sentiment here of not playing the starters, but at the same time, some of the guys are playing, they definitely need more reps. I do want to see Von Miller go out there and get a few reps. Cortland Sutton should get a few reps. Melvin Gordon, I wouldn't be putting him out there. I think Lloyd Cushenberry said she should see a large portion of reps. I wouldn't put like Justin Simmons or Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, those kinds of guys out there. It's very picky and choosy with them based on certain situations. But I mean, there's probably eight starters at most. I'd be out there having play, seeing game action. I mean, Jerry, yeah. Judy, younger guys and guys coming back from injury, basically. Yeah, and, and I guess the hard part is, especially if you're going to play Teddy Bridgewater in this game, you about have to start the other starters. Like you don't want all of a sudden saying Garrett Bowles isn't out there and you got Calvin Anderson protecting him and he takes this big hit and gets knocked out of the game and possibly misses time kind of thing. So it's one of those, it's kind of an all or nothing, especially on offense defense. I think you can go a lot more kind of pick and choose who needs to get some reps, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, speaking of defense, I think it's about time for us to get over to that, that side of the field. We're, we're at 41 minutes into this thing. We should probably talk a little defense here. Well, before we get to the defense side of the ball, if you guys have any questions, now's the time to get them in. Go ahead and send in that super chat, send in your stars to help you get entered to win this Von Miller jersey and just everything that you can, get them in the chat whichever way you can, and we'll try to get to them here shortly. We'll try not to rush, but at the same time, rush the defensive side of the ball. Anyways, on the interior defensive line, I mean, I've said it multiple times on Dove Valley Deep Divers and multiple videos and multiple articles. For the longest time, there was five guys on the defensive line that I've had written in Sharpie to make this roster. Mike Purcell coming back from an injury, Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris, McTelvin Ajim, and even Deshaun Williams. Those guys, I felt, were basically guaranteed to make the roster barring injuries. The only one I wasn't sure about was Shamar Stephen. And if it was him or going to be Marquis Spencer. Well, I think after seeing what they've done in the preseason so far, I mean, Spencer, there's clearly still some progress he needs to make. So a year on the practice squad, I don't think he gets poached because they have to clear waivers. One thing to remember is when you talk about getting poached, is anybody waived, they have to clear waivers. If they get claimed, they have to go on the other team's 53-man roster. They, yeah. It's not a thing of, oh, they can go on the practice squad. Now, if they make clear through waivers and another team offers them a practice squad spot, they get to choose. So that's one thing to keep in mind here. I don't think Spencer will have somebody claim him. And I can't imagine being a rookie, you're going to sit there and say, oh, I'm going to go elsewhere, especially with the situation that Denver has on their defensive line at the moment. 
So it can give him this year in the defense under Bill Kohler trying to grow and develop. But Stefan has done enough to make this roster, and he's completely taken me by surprise. I called him a jag so many times, which is just another guy, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term. <laughs> and he has gone out there in, I mean, granted, it's been a lot of second and third team action, but he has looked really good out there. Not just defending the run, but he has done a great job getting pressure. And against the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, his initial pressure drew a hold to get the safety. Like it, he's just been playing really good football. Yeah. Yeah. No disagreement on that group. Probably one of the best overall six man interior defensive line. The Broncos have had in a very long time. And I mean, the, the 2015 unit had two stars, obviously in Wolf and Jackson, but there still wasn't a whole lot behind them. This group, I, I feel good when some of these backups come in there and are going to still be impact players for the Broncos. So that, that's nice to see. All right. We'll get to the edge here. Of course, we got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, the two incumbent starters. They're, they're going to be there for uh, this entire season unless there's injury. Malik Reed showed himself well last year. Uh, you know, he, he deserves to be a starter somewhere. And so the Broncos better enjoy him this season. I doubt, I think he's probably going to take the same route as Shaq Barrett and say, I can go somewhere and, and go become a starter and, and do well for a team. And then Jonathan Cooper, man, talk about a guy that has just, blown up on the scene. I mean, here's a guy that had heart surgery earlier this off season and missed rookie training camp, missed OTAs and mini camp and all that. And just came to training camp and has just, just made a name for himself. I mean, this guy is looking like he's going to become a special player for the Broncos. Love what he brings to the team. Good get off, good bend, smart, has great vision on the field. Just uh, there's nothing bad I can say about his game, especially for being a rookie. Yeah. And I mean, it was disappointing that Andre Mintz got a concussion against the Minnesota Vikings, because I think he was well on his way to make this Broncos roster as an undrafted free agent, which do we have any undrafted rookies on this roster? Yes. No, actually we do not. Not from the, no, so I really thought that he was on his way to make the roster as an undrafted rookie and continue this trend that the Broncos have really had. But then that concussion against the Minnesota Vikings, he missed the Seattle game. And I think he's right there as like that, that 54th, 55th, 55th guy yeah. as that possibility to make it, but just comes down to a numbers game. Um, maybe I, I, I'm, I don't know. And I I'm concerned because with what he showed against the Vikings, there could be a team who lacks edge depth that might put in a claim for Andre Mintz to go in and get him. But Cooper, he's been lights out. I absolutely love what he's done. He was a guy that I couldn't believe Denver got as late as they did. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for the heart issue, I, I think he would have been probably a day two pick possibly. Yep. And and so, yeah, to get him in the seventh round is, is just highway robbery right there for the Broncos and just got their next big, at least depth piece on the the rush the edge position. I thought that was going to be maybe the Broncos. Maybe it, it would have been a top three position of need heading into next offseason. Of course, you got quarterback, right tackle, edge. Those would have been your three main positions that you're looking at. And, and so for him to emerge, it doesn't take the position fully out of it because Von Miller could be gone. Bradley Chubb, you got to figure out if you're going to pay him long term. Malik Reed, probably gone. So it's still a position of need but it makes it a little bit less. You feel a little bit better about where you're at with this group. 
And before we move on to linebacker, I have a couple questions or comments here. Orange colored glasses said, didn't you see the last time the Broncos played the Vikings? Stefan was a major force. Um, actually, when he was signed, I actually went back and watched that game specifically, um, among other games, just to kind of get an idea what we're getting in. He saying he was a major force is a major hyperbole. He really did next to nothing. And I was kind of curious if he even got any pressures up here. So I did quickly pull up pro football focus. He graded out as with an overall grade of like 50 in that game against the Broncos. He had no pressures and like it, it was not a good game. 49.0 was his overall grade from pro football, pro football focus. And I don't really like to use their grades. I really pulled it up for the stats. Nothing. He just did nothing. Played 50 total snaps against them and man, he got bullied and bullied and bullied. And then we got one coming in as well. Corey Johnson talking about get the young guys and backups more reps. A larger sample size makes it easier for the coaches to make a decision about the roster. Agree. Like, yeah, that's why I would, these guys, I wouldn't play all the starters. That's why there's only a few I would. And those that I'd be playing for injury, Cortland Sutton, Von Miller, it's like, okay, five snaps, you're done. Like very, very limited. And just want to get those guys, these young guys out there fighting to make this roster, want to get them out there to show what they can do. Right. Yeah. To me, if the offense goes out there and scores on the first drive, you don't put that starting offense back out there. Like they're they're done for the game. Defense, if they stop them, you know, three and out, I'm probably done with all the starters at that point too. I I really don't think they're going to play a whole lot. I know they said two to three drives possibly. I I think if there's success early on, they're just going to say, yep, we're done. We've seen enough. We're, we're good to go. Yeah. Mark Anthony says, Bill Kohler uh, turns coal into diamonds in Denver. Shelby and St- uh, Stefan, just examples of it. Can't yep. forget Deshaun Williams. Like, I mean, I think he's the biggest surprise out of all these defensive linemen from what he, from bouncing around the NFL, this was his second set in Denver. And now he's a guy who's man was, had a big role to play on two of the three turnovers. Like, man. And then Sam Kim came in. What happened to Royce Freeman in Denver? Just not enough pure power or speed. Surprised he hasn't played better than the pros. Last few years, watching Royce Freeman, it's really seemed like he wants to be a different type of running back than what he's built for. This year, he seems to kind of settle down and just be what he is. And it's really seeing him be improved with uh, with what he's doing. Right. Like I said, he's getting north and south very quickly. Yeah. That's the biggest difference. He kind of... Uh, I'm trying to remember. I was always called the uh, happy feet uh, when I was playing football at times because I played running back and I'd wait for that offensive line to get all their blocks set up. And then I'd try to burst through and, and my coach just kept coming up to me and he'd just be like, Carl, just burst through the line, take one step and go. And there's a lot of times with Freeman that you just kind of see him just sitting there behind the offensive line, hoping that something would open up and, and it just wasn't happening. Like in the, in the NFL, you just got to have instincts to know where those holes are going to open up. And so far in the preseason, he has done so much better of just trusting his group to actually open up a hole, go hit it, hit it hard, and and pick up a lot of positive yards. Yep. And before we move on, James uh, Grossman came in with some stars. Thank you, James. We appreciate that. And now moving on to linebackers. We had one comment here that I'm going to use to lead into it. Aaron Peluso came in saying Sternod and Browning will be the future middle linebackers for this team. I agree. And one thing that often goes gets forgotten is that both Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson are unrestricted free agents after this year. 
So Denver is really looking for future pieces. It's unfortunate that Baron Browning in minicamp or OTAs got hit in the leg, suffered a hairline fracture, and took so long to get in there. He played pretty well against Seattle in his limited reps. It was very clear that he it was his first action. At times, he seemed lost. He did really good coming downhill, which is why I have him behind Alexander Johnson in that role, is because if you're going to play him off ball, you at this time, you want to limit him in coverage, have him play downhill as a blitzer against the run because he can do that extremely well. But I just don't think that there's enough there to keep him at edge full time. But you can you can move him around a little bit to be this weapon. And then Josie Jewell, he played a lot better in coverage than a lot of people give him credit for. But Justin Cernod being healthy and looking outstanding out there covering these guys is a major hope for this Broncos finally getting some coverage ability from their linebackers. And we'll talk about this more here in a little bit. But I mean, everybody talks about a linebacker, one of these linebackers going against tight ends. I mean, Justin Cernod can help do that, but I mean, I, we shouldn't overlook Patrick Sertan doing that either. I like the Broncos linebackers. I don't think it's an emergency situation or it's such a major concern. You don't have to have outstanding linebackers in Vic Bangio's scheme. You you just don't. I mean, it does such a good job to help cover what linebackers do as well as not necessarily putting a lot on them, but asking a decent amount out of them that you can get by with just, just guys out there which is why what Vic Fangio has done for years. I mean, he's had plenty of talented linebackers over his career, but it's it's been more than just that. Yeah, I've I've honestly changed my my way of watching off-ball linebackers just because for a long time like I looked at you got to have these athletes that can keep up with these fast tight ends that are coming into the NFL. And and that's a huge bonus to have, but if they have zero instincts, it doesn't matter. They're always a step late so that athleticism is not able to pop on screen. So you've seen a lot of great athletic linebackers come to the NFL and do nothing. They have to have at least some instincts to make it work. It's why Josie Jewell, I think, has lived beyond what most people thought he was going to be when he came into the NFL. You know, I think most people thought he was going to be special teams, backup kind of guy. He's become probably the better of the two linebackers that we have of Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell. At least yeah. to me, I, I trust him a lot more than than others. Uh, but yeah, th- they're still replaceable players, and that's why you got to love Justin Sternod and what he's shown here in the preseason. He, he's right there making plays. Uh, you know, if he gets a little bit more on on snaps and just gets the instincts down a little bit more, man, he could become a a huge player for this defense. And Baron Browning, yeah, he his biggest issue he didn't have a whole lot of instincts in college because he was booming around to all these different positions. And so I'm interested to see if they keep him at that off-ball linebacker position and just say, hey, learn this position to see what he can become. Yeah, and um, Cleet, nobody said that Josie Josie Jewell's the best. Um, I agree with Carl, though, that he is the better of the two main linebackers. Denver has to do far more to cover up for Alexander Johnson in coverage than Josie Jewell, and it often puts Josie Jewell at a disadvantage. Um, Clifton Harris says um, Devin Smith and Bush can cover tight ends. Um, not sure who you mean. Do you mean Devin White or Roquan Smith? And Devin Bush? No, he cannot cover tight ends. <laughs> he was he, one of the worst last year. He yeah. was one of the worst last year before he got hurt, and he was the worst as a rookie. Yeah. Like he's great sideline to sideline and coming downhill, but in coverage, man, he's got a lot of work to do. Um, anyways, getting to corners, I'll let you go ahead and start off with corners here, and uh, actually. 
real quick. Clee says Jewel picks the wrong gaps constantly in the run plays too. Uh, not correct. Like simply not correct. Um, he con- he consistently picks his gap, which is between, which is the inside shoulder of whatever guard, um, the uh, Draymond Jones or whoever is playing on the in front of him. It's the inside shoulder of whatever whoever he's playing. So, and Clifton Harris says Devin White. Devin White actually was not good in coverage last year. He's just yeah. great downhill and against the run. Right. Yeah. Tampa Bay realized, okay, we got one linebacker that can cover and we got one linebacker that can do great coming downhill. And so they used them to their best ability. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's what you do as a coach. And the Broncos have done well, realizing Alexander Johnson does best coming downhill. Josie Jewell does better running backwards. But all right, getting to the cornerback position, we got Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby, of course. They're at the, the starting outside cornerbacks. Uh, I'm so excited to watch Darby. Everybody just keeps talking about how this guy is having maybe the best camp of anybody not named Justin Simmons. And uh, so getting him on the field, I'm just excited to see that. Of course, Bryce Callahan there in the the nickel spot for the Broncos. Patrick Sertan, of course, he's going to make this roster. They're going to have a role for him. Like you said, he might be the coverage linebacker on this roster. Uh, you, you just never know exactly how they're all going to put everything for him. And then we had this, – this is where we, again, has a lot of debates – of what we're going to do for this cornerback group. We have Michael Ojemudia making the roster and then getting put on the short-term IR. That's why he's in red if you're looking at the screen. Um, you know, he's he's not had the best training camp. He's not had the best preseason by any means, but he's still a third-round pick, still got plenty of talent, and a guy that you really want to hold on to. And then we had Kerry Vincent making this roster. Uh, just guy with incredible speed for that, that slot corner position. He has had a pretty darn good training camp from when he's been able to get in there. And this last preseason game had, I don't know, about three or four pass breakups, it seemed like. He was just everywhere making plays. And then Nate Hairston is another guy that I think has really made a name for himself with this coaching staff. And I think they're going to, I think they're probably going to cut him initially. And then when they put Ojemudi on IR, that's one of the guys that they're going to try to bring back. Yeah, definitely. And before we continue on, just a quick update on stars here. I mean, everybody who's coming in and supporting this, we appreciate you. And you guys are definitely obviously entered in to win a Von Miller jersey. Andrew Lampy came in and he, earlier he made a comment about not uh, having talking about hair for the phallic, uh, the hair follicle challenged people out there. Got a kick out of me from that. Randy Jones coming in big time. Andrew Baker, Gary Leeds Palmer, Michael Ronquillo. Each of you, you guys are very much appreciated for your guys' support of the show, as well as everybody else who's just liked and supported. Um, James Grossman and Dave Glassman also have been in here as well. Again, appreciate you all. You guys are part of the group that's entered to win a Von Miller jersey. Now, back to the cornerback real quick. quick. Just not much I want to I, I want to cover here. Obviously, short-terming our short-term IR for Michael Ojemudia put a wrench in it a little bit and keeping two pure nickel corners. Cause I really don't like Kerry Vincent jr. Or Nate Harrison and their ability to play outside was a point of contention f- for me personally, a little bit. I decided to go that way because they're both been playing really well and showing up on special teams quite a bit, a little bit more than Parnell Motley, but Nate Harrison being, being that guy to go, and uh, Parnell Motley making it, switching those two out, really wouldn't surprise me with Michael Ojemudia. Like cutting Parnell Motley, um, short-term IR for Ojemudia, and then bringing Motley back. And then when Ojemudia is coming off, there goes Motley. 
wouldn't surprise me if that's the route they go to try to keep more outside corners. One reason why I was fine keeping the two nickels is because of what just Patrick Sertan has just done. Like, I just the confidence in him. Then moving on to safety, there's not much here. I mean, the question would be, who do they cut for Trey Marshall before they short-term IR him? And this is a possibility of just someone else at a different position. Maybe this is where they go and they cut a guy like, um, let's see, like maybe PJ Locke, um, maybe Nate Hairston, just someone else to go back and uh, uh, just keep up that space so they can go and put Trey Marshall on it because I didn't want to just put him on injured reserve beforehand, which is definitely a possibility because he does a very good job on special teams. And I think that's enough that they'll want to bring him back as soon as he's good to go. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, six safeties, I think five of them make it. I think that's a pretty standard thing with Vic Fangio. Simmons and Jackson are obviously your starters. Caden Stearns has balled out. PJ Locke has balled out. And then Jamar Johnson, I don't think he's shown enough to guarantee him a spot and be locked in because of his draft status. I just think that there's enough upside there with his play in coverage that they'll want to keep him for certain matchups during the season and certain situations. Yeah. And and I think he'd be one of those guys, good chance that he would get picked up by somebody else. I think there he's showed enough in college and and he's fresh on a lot of people's minds from this last draft. You know, I think if you're going to take a chance, probably PJ Locke, even though he's outplayed him, I think you'd probably take more of a risk of cutting him and trying to bring him back than you would Jamar Johnson. Uh, But like I said, he has outplayed him. Just sometimes you got to take some risks to fill out this roster and figure out some things. And then I did see a question on here that I wanted to get to uh, from Peter Middleton. He said, uh, who do you think gets picked up on a waiver wire from another team? This, This is kind of a tough question because we don't know who everybody's going to cut. But is there a certain position that you're looking at and maybe saying, this is a position I think the Broncos could really try to find an upgrade? Uh, corner. I mean, we know how much George Payton loves that position. <laughs> um, seriously, though, one position I could is a, a returner, a guy who can offer up good returning ability and more on offense than Deontay Spencer. I think that's a big concern with the team and i think that some of the moves they made have made it clear that they want somebody who's not just a return specialist they want somebody who can contribute on offense right away or at least a little bit and that's just not deontay spencer outside of that i'm not really sure where they would look and before you get to this i have one question for you too of the guys that we have set to as the practice squad the ones in the dark blue with the orange name for those that are looking at the screen Carl, which ones are you most, the two most that um, concern you about possibly getting picked up on waiver wire? Well, we got Seth Williams. I, I think he'd be one, again, fresh on a lot of people's minds from the draft. I think he's had a few bright moments here. Obviously, that little pitch play from uh, from Drew Locke where he picked up a lot of big plays. He'd be one. And then uh, I'd say Andre Mintz would be the other one. You know, again, he, he showed a lot here in training camp. His name kept coming up all the time uh, of just really balling out there at training camp. And then that first game starting to look really, really good for the Broncos and then just kind of suffered this injury that uh, has left him just kind of on the outside looking in. I think those are the two that teams would really look at and say that would be a huge upgrade for not a huge upgrade, but at least an upgrade for their roster. What about you? I, I'm curious. 
I'm curious about Kendall Hinton. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't shown up great in games, but there was so much praise about him in training camp and stuff that maybe he can get uh, picked up. But Seth Williams and Andre Mintz were actually the main two that I was actually thinking about myself. But anyways, guys, we're going to have to get out of here shortly. There is one more question that we were asked by Sam Kim here. It says, to Carl and Eric, on another stream, one dude thought that there was a good chance for a top three defense this year and playoffs. Agree or disagree? I agree. I think yeah. that this defense is either quarterback, I think, could have done enough to help this team win games and make a push for the playoffs. Maybe not exactly get there, but there's so much on this defense that if they all play at a consistent level and injuries don't happen and they don't, or at least not severe injuries, they could definitely be a top three defense at the very least. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, we've seen what a great defense can do to really carry a team that can make up for even a quarterback that turns over the ball a lot, like we saw in 2015. Now, given that was a legendary defense, I don't think this unit's quite there. You know, Von Miller on the wrong side. Bradley Chubb is not Von Miller in his prime. Uh, You know, cornerbacks will have to see how they rate compared. They got greater depth than the 2015 unit. But that 2015 year, the top three guys were just outstanding that season. And, of course, better linebacker, interior guys that could do a little bit of everything. Um, but, yeah, they, they're good enough. And then on top of that, having the weapons that are good enough to turn good plays into great plays. You know, that, that's why, again, I, when a lot of people are going, they were upset with uh, Teddy Bridgewater winning the job. Part of it to me, I'm just going, this is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in football. And a lot of it's just get the balls to your playmakers and let them go do their job. You know, yes, you're not going to always have the the big play. You're not always going to see him take some of the risks that maybe you're going to need to to win a couple of these games. But beyond that, he's still going to be able to make enough plays. And, and those playmakers, again, turning a five-yard play, 10-yard play into 20, 30, 40, 50-yard play, that's where you're going to see this defense or this offense actually become explosive. It might be boring at times but I still think there's going to be enough explosive plays. You're going to sit there and say, huh, I did not think it could be this. Yeah. Boring sometimes can be enough. And one thing you talked about his accuracy and I mean, I know adjusted completion percentage isn't a direct indication of accuracy with passing um, because I mean, it could just be a great play by the receiver, but adjusted completion percentage, which can, which takes drops into consideration. We had Teddy Bridgewater who had the second highest in the NFL behind Aaron Rodgers. At six at seventy nine point something, and then we had Drew Locke, who was the lowest in adjusted percentage, at sixty eight point something. That is a huge difference there. So, and with the, a lot of these weapons, accuracy, getting to the um, timing, those are key factors to maximize their ability. But I mean, I think there's a lot more than just that that went into it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people disagree with what they what ended up happening, but. I hope that we all can agree that we just want the Broncos to win some games and the coaching staff, they definitely want to win games because their job's on the line. Hopefully they went with the right guy to go and get them wins before we get out here. Uh, Butch Butch came in last second with some stars. We appreciate that. And uh, always everybody who supports you guys, you guys are all awesome. We always appreciate your guys support. That is going to have to do it for us. But before we get out of here, just matters of business again, real quick. Guys, this is the Valley Deep Divers. I'm your host for the night, Eric Trickle, and Carl Dummler, of course, joining us from Building the Broncos since Lance Sanderson is out of town. Got to say thank you again to Carl for joining me tonight. It's always awesome sitting down and chatting with Carl. With Carl. 
anytime. Like it's just always nice to get his insight on everything. Make sure you guys are following the Dove Valley Deep Divers Twitter account at DVD un- DVDD underscore pod. Uh, that's where you guys get all the updates about what we're going to be talking about, all the links, everything, as well as anything that may happen down in the future in it. And then the mothership Mile High Huddle at Mile High Huddle. That's where you get access to all of the written content, all the other pods, everything that we do as a group from Mile High Huddle. If you guys can and are able to during these trying times, make sure you head over to huddleuppod.com and go check out the merch store. Get a hat like Carl's or get the one that's Dove Valley Deep Divers or the Dove Valley Deep Divers shirt or something Dove Valley Deep Divers because, you know, Dove Valley Deep Divers is the best. You know, uh, all sorts, all sorts of stuff on there for whatever your liking is. That little orange shirt there—that's the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Absolutely love it. My wife loves it, and my daughter's actually stolen mine, so I got to get around to getting another one. Uh, if you guys can as well, go to Facebook.com/slash Huddle and become a supporter. We have another competition going on, another giveaway on Facebook besides stars. Where to become a supporter? You guys, we're trying to get to two, get 250 more supporters. We Last time we saw, we were currently sitting at 114. Hopefully, we grew that number a little bit tonight. You guys are entered to win a chance, entered for a chance to win a Mile High Huddle uh, sweatshirt. And then, of course, the stars, stars going on. We appreciate all of you guys. You guys are in the running for a Vaughn Miller jersey that we're going to be giving away. Uh, saw a couple more jump in there. Dave, Dave Glassman, Butch Butch came in, Peter Middleton. Andrew Lampe, um, Andrew Baker, all you guys, Gary Leeds Palmer, you guys are consistently supporting not just Dove Valley Deep Divers, but every stream. And so we, across the network, we appreciate you guys. And then if you guys aren't able to financially support uh, support us at this time, make sure you guys subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on all these different networks. And then make sure you're liking them as well. Leave a review. I mean, you guys don't realize how much help that gives us all. And then of course course share it spread the word if you guys like their show and you guys know other bronco fans mention it to them i mean maybe they'll enjoy it too uh expand the knowledge of whatever we have to offer an outlet for their voice because i mean i know for me it's hard because i'm not surrounded by people that really like football so i'm glad i found this because it was an outlet for me for to talk about football so uh always great to see it and then we had a late uh, super chat donation from jelly with a dollar 99 appreciate that jelly he says sorry i'm late how are our linebackers hashtag mhh i think we're pretty solid there i mean i know that yeah. there's a wide range of opinions on josie jewel and alexander johnson they're solid enough to get the job done yeah it's probably if you're looking at the afc west broncos probably have the best linebackers in the afc west there's not a lot of great off-ball linebackers in the NFL right now. There, there's maybe like 10 guys that you're looking at and saying, those are really, really good players. The rest of them kind of middle of the pack to, to really bad. Broncos have two guys that are right there in the middle of the pack. And uh, so I, I'm happy with the group and they've got two young guys that can maybe turn into something. Yeah. I mean, one thing when you always look at positions is kind of tearing them. And I think that the Broncos ESPN actually did this. One of their guys, um, Mike Clay does a, comparison amongst the Ross all the Rosses for position strength and the Broncos rated pretty highly and I mean you hit the nail on the head in my opinion I mean best way to break it down is by tiers I think between tier one and tier two you might have six linebackers maybe seven and the rest are like tier three and down like it's just a lot of solid guys very few good guys it's a hard position to play and then Clee came in with a $3 um, super sticker there at the end. We appreciate that, Clee. 
thank you for the support. Thank you for joining the chat. I mean, you had some really interesting takes, even though we didn't disagree or didn't always agree. It was great to see you in and joining us. But guys, that's going to do it for us tonight. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow night for Mile High Insiders, which, as far as I'm aware, is going to be Nick Kendall and Luke Patterson. And as well as um, I'm pretty sure Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman after the game will be doing their post-game rapid reactions and gut reaction uh, pod as well. So you guys make sure you tune into both of those. Some really smart guys we have here. Um, tune in, get their opinions, get their takes. But for us, for Carl, for I'm Eric. Thank you guys for joining us. Have a wonderful night. Have a wonder week, wonderful weekend. And of course, go Broncos. Let's go beat the Rams. <laughs>